Hello and welcome to the Spotlight Podcast. My name is Elida and on today's episode we're talking to Ashling Groves McKeown and Emma Reed, members of the five-star award-winning all-female improvised musical comedy Notflix the Musical. That is a lot of very cool words. We talk at length about the craft of good improvisation as well as the comedic and creative rewards of working in an all-female ensemble. It's an animated chat from start to finish and I'm sure you're going to have a lovely time listening to it. Hopefully almost as lovely a time as I had recording it. So let's get stuck in. Notflix, hello. Hello. Thank you (laughs) so much for joining me. Um, Would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Um, I'm Ashling. um, And And I'm Emma and we are part of Notflix the Improvised Musical. Okay, amazing. And Notflix the Improvised Musical... Let's talk about what that is, what it is that you guys do. Great. Um, to put it in a nutshell, um, so basically um, the audience come in, uh, they write down uh, their favourite film, maybe it's uh, a film they've seen recently or a classic they really like. They all get put into a bucket, the bucket of destiny. Um, two of them get picked out at random and then the, vodi- uh, the audience, the audience uh, vote uh, by a ways of oohs and ahs, which one they want to see uh, made into a musical. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then our lovely Claire sort of gets a couple more details from the the lucky audience or unlucky audience <laughs> member, depending how uh, shy they are. <laughs> um, uh, so their favourite moment from that particular film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, an interior location. An interior location. And the so they'll often say, America. <laughs> or like, can you cliff? make that interior, please? Um, <laughs> um, and a positive, uplifting message, um, which is kind of like the basis of the musical element of what we do. And then maybe 20 seconds later, we start the musical with a live band and make it yeah, into an opening number. Yeah. Yep, opening number. And then that's it. And then we never leave the stage. And so the audience gets to see in real time it being created and it's an all-female cast and sort of we make uh, the sort of... It's also they write down a little synopsis, so it's sort of we're making your musical version of the movie. Okay, so just <laughs> my mind is blown. Uh, <laughs> um, the the I, I kind of want to see it in action. Can we just do like, if for anyone listening at home, a little practice sort of teeny tiny little dry run of it? Um, I'll pretend I'm an audience member and you guys can vamp with me and yeah. we'll see how we go. So, um, what is your favourite movie? Um, well, recently I watched Paddington 2. <gasps> Paddington oh. 2, okay. And what would be, if you were to sum up Paddington 2 in a quick synopsis, what would it be? Um... A very heartwarming story about Paddington the Bear saving the day against uh, a serial thief. That's a that's a really great synopsis, by the way. We get some truly terrible ones, so that is that was very good. Um, like not good. Don't watch it. Or like yeah. Or like they save the world. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So that that was great. Um, okay. Amazing. And so, um, could you give us uh, an interior location uh, that you see a lot of in Paddington too? The Paddington's family home. Perfect. And what would you say is your like favourite moment, like the thing you remember the most from the film? Um, The bit when Hugh Grant's character is changing all his like characters and stuff, and he's like trying all the different voices and wigs and stuff, and he's just a little bit odd and crazy. That would be so much fun to do. I would love that. (laughs) And uh, what would you say is a positive, uplifting message of Paddington too? Um, that 
family is always with you. Oh, that's lovely. Um, so yeah, after that, we would literally go into an opening number. Our keyboardists would be like, or whatever vibe they were going with, whatever sort of musical genres came to their head, and we would start an opening number. Yeah. Oh my god. And and we try to always sort of plug in um, the, the that uplifting message into the chorus of that opening number. Um, yeah. We wouldn't be any of the characters from the film yet, but we might, as you say, give a nod to the genre. Mm-hmm. or you know uh if it just said something like jaws mm-hmm. you you know everybody knows that line we're going to need a bigger boat so maybe mm-hmm. y- your uplifting message would be about perseverance or you know it's not uh-huh. over until it's over yeah. and so what was the so, positive mentioned in Paddington it was like family is always with you so you might have a chorus yes. like no matter what through and through family is always with you like we would oh. incorporate that in it and like sort of give you the vibe of a musical because that's sort of the thing that brings you in that opening number where it just sort of envelops you into that like movie so yeah yes. and then after our opening number we would start the show yeah and, and you'd, you'd see you know maybe two people walk forward probably uh-huh. being like you'd see at least one of them be Paddington and you'd get the characters for example you mentioned Hugh Grant and Paddington so we'd, we definitely would have those characters somewhere in the show not necessarily together at the beginning but obviously as, as things sort of the narrative goes on and things get tied up and weaved together you'd see all this also we have a lot of sort of backline characters coming into yeah. you know and, uh, <laughs> a lot of madness <laughs> Okay, it sounds like a properly, properly good night out um, from an audience perspective. Yeah. And I guess also from your perspective as a performer. Oh, it's so much fun. Like, yeah. we're just trying to, it's, the way I'd say it is we're, we're silly in a smart way and smart in an absolutely silly way. Um, yeah. It's oh, yeah. a lovely way to put it. <laughs> And as oh, actors, I love that. And as actors, you know, we get put in so many boxes all the time. There's so many, like, you know, we play, like, typical characters, which we love, but in Netflix, we get to come forward in whatever gender we want, you know, we can be an animal. There's just so many possibilities and, you know, we get to really flex our acting muscles, you know, depending on the, you know, if it's in America or in the US or an island, mm-hmm. like, you know, where there's lots of possibility of like who we can be, which is so freeing and so nice. And uh, that's really rare in this industry. So yeah. we, we're super lucky. It's not, it's not dictated by the body you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Which often casting yeah. is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yes, absolutely. It often is, isn't it? Um, well, let's talk about a few things. Um, I've picked up on the fact that it's it's an all-female troupe. Would, would, you call, would you call yourselves a troupe? Do you call yourselves a theatre company? Oh, I don't know. What I, do you... I, you know, it is very much a theatre company, but we do tend to call ourselves a troupe. Yeah. And... Um, we're a, I think we're a, we're a mixture of like we're a cast because like there's mm-hmm. a there's a there's no um, like we've got a really good solid team right now but there's no like ending to that we're always like on the lookout for new not flixers um, so I guess we're a cast but we're always but we're also a, tr- a troop because the way we work together is like very that and I and I feel like because part of it is because of the nature of it being improvised we are creating the narrative and you can't help that for example often the films were being given you know they're they're from Hollywood they've maybe originally been made by uh maybe a very male centric team um (laughs) very white male voices you know and then we're retelling it it's being filtered through 21st century women and and you can't help but that somehow having an effect on the end product so 
feels like we're in this team together and you can't help that our own personal histories yeah. or maybe beliefs or things like that somehow get filtered into the end product. So yeah. it feels like we're this trip, we're this guy that are yeah. working together as yeah. a team and also kind of raising our voices and hopefully other people's voices as well. Yeah. Yeah, a voice that's not usually heard, not till recently, especially in Hollywood. Like women, women voices. Like a lot of these films, just naturally because of how old they are, have really male misogynistic undertones. Which, as a, when when you're an all woman cast, it, it really feeds into it. So we're kind of retelling it as well from like a woman's perspective, like telling sort of like. I don't know. We just did The Breakfast Club, which was really interesting. Oh, and, wow, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's like, you know, that's a great film, but it's got some problems. Really, really bad problems things. in it. And it was really nice to do because it's like, without even trying, you're telling it from a more... Um, Contemporary? <laughs> yeah, or more resolved. Like, it's not... It, it feels more like you're telling it through different eyes. It feels more sort of you're not being like oh you know this is all fine this behavior is okay it's like no this actually needs yeah, to be like yeah when you start addressed. picking it apart to put it together and you're like oh yeah, yeah you gave bad. her this makeover which was all about her suppressing her authentic <laughs> self and you know everybody knows she also looked worse after it but anyway yeah. or you're like oh, looking under her skirt and then you yeah. end up together at the end and you're like why um yeah yeah, yeah. so we can't help to like I don't know, resolve those kind of things. It's kind of, I feel like sometimes we, not to be like, put us on a pedestal, but like, I feel like we write the wrongs of a lot of the films we do. Like we sort of resolve a lot of the, like a lot of our, especially like a lot of our toxic masculine films, like, you know, the Fast and Furious films. Oh yeah. They always end up in some kind of homoerotic, like, because it's so, that, that, it's so that. I'm a man, I'm a straight man. This is how I must operate. I like cars and women. Yeah, that is, that is barbecues. Barbecues, like there's always a family barbecue, cars are life. Everything is resolved by a car. Like we're robbing a bank, got a car. We like need to like fly from one building to the next. We're going to use a car. Why talk through your feelings when you could just. When you could just have cars. Press accelerate. Yeah, literally. Um, and in our version, we had like Jason Statham and The Rock just have this. We had The Rock, Johnson and Jason, Jason the, the car. car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was the car. Um, they just had like a like a like a a love that like you know was just there's this barrier between them and they couldn't really figure out why they just have all this and like you know yeah. masculine energy and it's actually just because they're in love and like <laughs> that that we just love that's one of the things I think I love doing the most. It's just that resolving of like bad things that film and I'm taking those kind of like you know there's sometimes classic lines that will turn on their head like when we had Titanic and instead of her being like paint me like one of your French girls she's like objectify me like one of your French girls <laughs> you know just little simple little twists yeah that's a that's a that's a good time <laughs> and what happens if someone suggests a film that you just have no idea what it is like are you able to muddle through it or funny enough it actually happens a lot and it's kind of fabulous because you're giving us a little synopsis so I've uh-huh. never seen Paddington 2 but you gave me such a great sort of lineup of what it is like I know exactly what kind of things it would need I think we're very genre focused yeah so mm-hmm. even if I hadn't seen Paddington I get what sort of genre it is and and genres there's just so many tropes you can hook on to and so you can accidentally end up feeling very close to the end product and also because uh, so much of when we're creating it brick by brick is so driven by the dynamic 
between mm-hmm. characters. Um, as a, and then plot is this little thing sprinkled on the top that right, yeah. that you end up getting there as as well. Because as much as it is, you know, it is comedy and it is silly, we do try to imbue it with heart and let that um, dictate our next moves. Yeah. So to say, you know, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised how much we get right just by doing that, because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Hollywood's super predictable. But also it's like well, if you just get the core of a relationship between characters, you'll get a lot of things right, because the way things are resolved is like it feels very natural. And also when you don't know the film, it sort of gives you less pressure to like do the film. Yeah. You're like, oh, yes, I can just yes. do this. And like, I know like, the audience like, has given me a good idea of what I need to do, so I'm just going to do that, and yeah. that's actually quite nice. Where, like if you get Mar- whereas if you get Marvel, you're like, oh, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't have some of your favorite characters in there. Yeah. You know, like I need it where I get Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. You know, okay, they're going to yeah. be real upset if Frodo doesn't make an appearance. <laughs> yeah, he just never yes. shows up. <laughs> <laughs> or like, wasn't there meant to be a wizard in that? You know, yeah, so. that's not important. Just don't worry. It's just Samwise Gamgee the whole time. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that would be great though I mean just I him, him. Yeah. <laughs> he is the true hero yes, like true. let's be real yeah um, facts are facts okay that's that's amazing so I'm getting like a good picture of how you guys navigate it on stage um well I, I mean a beginner's picture of that um because what you do blows my mind I can't even begin to imagine the skill that it takes to be able to like make up a rap or so, I, mean, I don't know if you guys have ever rapped but oh no we do um, and, and, I guess, and even when we're not rapping lyrically when in song we've got to rhyme yeah. so yeah. yeah yes exactly exactly like I sometimes play like a rhyming game with you know my friends and like within three three rounds I'm like I'm done I literally don't have anything else that rhymes with shoe I'm so sorry um so so I guess the question that I want to ask is how did you um, hone and improve and kind of get your skills in musical theatre or songwriting or improv um, to the place where they're at now where you can do it as well as you do? I think like, like so I went to Arts Ed as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. So musically theatre, musical theatre wise, I was very well versed. But mm-hmm. I actually didn't learn any improv like, or do any professional improv. I did it in drama school. Um, like, the lovely Ruth Bratt, like, came and, mm-hmm. who's a showstoppers, um, came in and gave us improv lessons. And then she did some musical improv, but it was very, you know, class-based and, you know, not... I never actually did an improv show till I did Netflix. I mm-hmm. think the thing with Netflix, and obviously, like, Ashling's like, training is different, but I think the thing with Netflix that we really realised is that this sort of thing this concept is really great and we wanted to make it great so it was about taking the things that were already in Netflix because we both joined as it was still in motion we were casting it while the show was still going Mm -hmm. it was like okay this thing is really awesome and we want to be the best at it so how do we make this great how do we use our skills even if someone has more improv skills than you or musical theatre skills than you it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. we want to make this Great. So I think it's down to that a lot. I, I also think that I think it helped that all of us came from. I think with this particular show, because it is a long narrative and it's about story weaving, and it's mm-hmm. you know you also have short form improv, which is you know a lot shorter. You play a game. There, there's an obvious conclusion. You have a, 
the last kind of climax is that it's done whereas this also there's a bite of sustainability and uh, mm. this long form so actually it almost helped that all of this really came more from uh, an actor background than maybe stand-up background mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know some of us had more experience in comic acting maybe than others but there was still that which I think helps us weave the story um, I think with with myself I'd already I'd, I'd done a lot of devised theatre which mm-hmm. is about mm-hmm. get, or at least the way with the especially the theatre company I work with called Curious Doings they a lot back home in Ireland they did a lot where you just create something in a really short space of time just get it out there blurt it out there don't monitor yourself don't try and make it the end product just yet and then we'd the others would sit back watch it and then go okay what bit was I interested in there and it could have been something as simple as just the way somebody moved in that it could be something they mm-hmm. said it could have been the themes that it made you think about it could have been the prop that they used it could have been how they transitioned from one thing to the other and say okay we'll take that and we'll play with that mm-hmm. um so I think a big part of it is also especially when you, we're in the rehearsal room not overly self-monitoring yourself and reveling in those mistakes or silly things that you say and that can become a whole thing really from Mm -hmm. there I also think sometimes in the training not necessarily going oh what's the punchline what's the punchline of this yeah you know and actually the humor often coming more almost from the the character, obviously, like the physicality is so important. All the characters we play mm-hmm. are quite heightened, um, so there's that. We play a lot, do a lot of exercises that get you in your body, and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. whether something simple is like you know your character being dictated by the fact it's moved by a certain body part or things like that. Um, we do a lot of exercises that really involve us listening to each other yeah. and not preempting or you know really mm-hmm. building things brick by brick which I think helps a lot I think it really helps that we even though we're all actors we do come from slightly different uh, backgrounds whether that in life or in our theatre training mm-hmm. like for me I think weirdly like my initial degree was in maths and I think <laughs> that weirdly helps oh, no it be- does because I think I think actually because both of the maths and improv are about creative problem solving and it's about when you're offered a like a maths problem it's not always obviously okay you use this route when it when especially when it comes more advanced it's going okay how can I take all my knowledge that I have at this point and then push it a step further and and you're having to spot patterns and connections and you're doing the same thing in, in, in improv when you're trying to weave a story. You're trying to spot yeah. patterns and connections and how you can weave it all together and just go into that filing cabinet of everything you know about acting, but everything you've experienced ever, <laughs> and go, how can I connect it to this? Also, there's know? nothing better than watching Ashling play a character who's singing a song about metaphors about maths or, like, rapping about maths. It's the most <laughs> mind-blowing thing you've ever seen. And if you're in the scene with her, you're just like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely taking, like, those other skills you have and thinking, oh, okay, how can I apply this? I also think it's really interesting what you said, like, Gree, like, stepping into it as actors rather than improvisers because at the Mm -hmm. end they were playing characters and those characters have to feel real and authentic like that's how an audience connects with Mm -hmm. you like it's all very well being funny but like you should naturally be funny and if you're authentically in the character you probably will be but actually it's even though we are comedy 
it feels funnier when you're not being like, oh, the punchline is ex- expensive someone else. Like I'm dobbing you in. Yeah. Like we'd rather play a scene through as the characters and that will be funny because it will be eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's, mm-hmm. it just feels more real to us. And I think if you step forward as an actor, as that character, that is where the magic of our show comes in. Well, they often say that one of the golden rules of comedy is not to try and be funny, but to just simply yeah. try and make a connection. Um, And if you guys are making connections on stage as actors doing their characters, then the audience is going to be laughing without without you having to like go out and sort of beg them metaphorically yeah. for yeah. the laughs. And, and you can see the moments when somebody maybe panic or things like that has been done this very quick laugh thing, mm-hmm. but then it's been, it's kind of actually stopped the narrative dead or the yeah. momentum of that scene dead because like, oh, that was a great little punchline, but actually completely... And- collapsed everything we've just been building yeah for the now, last few now, minutes. now now where do we go <laughs> like and also yeah. there's this, there's just better ways you can make a joke something funny you can actually make something sustainable and like grounded and great mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i don't know sometimes we've had it where it's like yeah there's been a cheap joke and we've really learned well i think that we've like grown over the years but like you realize like oh yeah this joke was great but like we could have had something that you could have built throughout the whole show which is even funnier and it, it wasn't yes. at the expense of anyone else it wasn't because you were you know trying to like bulldoze somebody that's a really kind of outshine them yeah to... and because we're we all spend exactly we're all on stage all the time and also our stage time is all the same mm-hmm. as in how, how we step forward is all the same so it means even if you're playing like you know the main character rose or jack and titanic you're going to have as much time as the random janitor that we might make up and mm-hmm. Th- mm-hmm. they have the power actually to be as important and as resolving as you so I think that's really important for us we don't you know no one is a lead we're all just trying together all of us no matter how big the role is are working together to resolve the story and I think that really Mm. helps us in terms of like the comedy aspect because no one is the front runner yeah with the improv you don't feel like anybody's competing for stage time there's not that panic yeah you can't do that we're all on stage (laughs) we never leave (laughs) well that feels like a very uh uh, non-hierarchical way of doing things um creatively which is which is gorgeous because it's it's quite rare i think for companies to be able to manage that effectively and it sounds like you guys really do um so let's talk about a little bit more about the kind of makeup of Netflix and how it all started and I'm particularly interested in the fact that it's a it's an all-female all-women group um yeah and um, our director Sarah Spencer when she originally came up with the idea and started forming the group it, it was actually a mixed group it wasn't all female and yeah. um, mm-hmm. I think something happens whenever well it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't the casting wasn't dictated by gender um and sometimes, you know, a lot of scripted stuff, you know, the, the, it can be quite meal heavy or, you know, there needs to be a certain amount of meals or did it. But with this, because it was open, it just happened that, and because it wasn't dictated by the way you look or anything like that, I mm-hmm. think it actually became easier for her to find, uh, it just to have more females with the particular mm-hmm. skills that were required and also the the motivation to do it, wanting to take part in this type of project. Um, And then so slowly the balance kind of started to change and there was more females. And then she kind of realised, actually, this is really interesting that it's all females. (laughs) Actually, let's let's keep with that and and see where where it takes us. Mm. 
And I think yeah. that like just realizing like, oh, wow, this perspective is really cool. Like there's not a lot of things out there like this. Of course, there's like women improv groups. But like I think the sort of musical movie aspects, like I just don't think there was that element out there. And I think she mm -hmm. really saw that and really like hooked onto it. And then different people kind of came along um, as it as it sort of came on and then it sort of led us to finding a certain group and then we realized like oh this really works this group and actually that's when things started becoming added and that's when Notflix started to really take shape so the group has actually been around since 2015 like a really long time wow. um but it's sort of evolved I, a lot I think in the last mm -hmm. like definitely three three years three or four years it's definitely taken the shape it has and that's I think where the sort of the success of it has been for sure okay and I mean I'm interested I can already see why having all I mean you've actually already touched upon this when we first started talking but I can I can see why having um an all-female cast um reliving or rewriting um ordinarily very male-dominated films would be both very interesting but also very funny um yes <laughs> so I can sort of see how that um came to be it's kind of gradual um metamorphosis and evolution into kind of where you're at now and I guess the question that I have for you is I presume that both of you um, have been in rehearsal rooms where there's a mixture um of you know men women or non-binary people as well um and I'm 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 interested to know what 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 is different about a kind of all female creative space for you guys. Well, what what has kind of caught my attention is I guess especially when it comes to improvisation and in those types of rehearsal spaces, which in some ways should be the most freeing of mm. of spaces. <laughs> despite that and despite the fact I could be you know I played the Hulk like you know you could <laughs> be anything Literally. you know um still often when I am with a a mixed gender group of players you know I'll automatically be gendered as female even yeah. though I'm like I could be anything mm. could be a spider right now um I, I could be a non-binary spider you know and you I want to see that <laughs> but, but like but like <laughs> Can we do fire. that? <laughs> um, Charlotte's Web, and uh, and uh, but but and, and and not just that, but also automatically the dynamic, especially if it's a man that steps up with me. Oh, automatically this dynamic must be a romantic dynamic or yeah. flirtatious mm. or sexual or something. And it's like no, it doesn't have to be. And also even with ours. Obviously, because we're we're nodding to films, there are characters that are obviously a specific gender in that film. Mm -hmm. But at the yeah. same time, sometimes you're playing other characters to support those central ones. And and sometimes, you know, the other day we were doing uh, a film, and I I didn't realize until you know until the end. I thought I didn't this pair of characters actually hadn't really thought about what gender they were, yeah. they were mm -hmm. until one of them mm -hmm. gave birth at the end. And, and, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, your character has a womb. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Love that <laughs> but like, it didn't matter because there wasn't the most important thing about them, yeah, their relationship. It, like or, it, yes. or their identity. It wasn't no. the thing that defined their identity, what gender they were. You, no. you know, so I think, I think there's that too. There isn't that assumption of what type of role you're about to play. Yeah. There's, I feel like it's just in our space, I can speak for our space for sure as an all women's creative space, but it just feels 
just there's just a, a, a really big freedom in the possibilities of what you can and can't do mm-hmm. and I think that there is just such a, a joy and I think it's not that being in, an, in a you know mixed gender space isn't joyful but I definitely think with our space it's because we're coming forward and there's just there's endless possibilities and I think sometimes when you're in a mixed gender space especially in like an improv space like your possibilities are kind of stopped not because mm-hmm. you want them to stop but because a lot of time men will put things on you as a woman stepping forward in improv like that you I don't know didn't ask for didn't want and mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. I don't think that that is I don't think people intentionally mean to be mean I just think it is just what a happens default. it's something mm-hmm. I think yeah. that we are slowly talking about and breaking out of and I think that's amazing um just the assu- I think just the assumption like it's just automatic and you know definitely in our show because we're sort of looking at an endless possibility of things there's just an endless possibility of relationships of gender of you know who the people are and I think that's just a very open space that I just don't think happens enough in mixed gender I I also think um when you're creating things so yeah it there's this even though we're all from different uh, backgrounds different uh, different lives there also in some ways isn't shared understanding of certain experiences. Um, and I find that, for, for example, I work with a theatre group, Kirsten's, and we did a show called The Things People Say. And originally, actually, there was going to be a male in the cast, but the way it worked out, it was for females. Mm-hmm. And because we were creating the work and it was about sort of how the things we say about ourselves, how the things other people, mm-hmm. how the things society say up to us and about us, how that affects you and just mm-hmm. it being automatically just as for females it, it it went in a certain direction but there was also a starting point of a certain type of, of understanding mm. um I also think from like a really practical point of view um and I guess this is something that you saw a lot of especially in Ireland with the whole waking the feminist movement mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and things like that and and just trying to actually make especially theatre a space that kind of operates a bit more in mind with 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 sort of different things that females need also trying to hear more female voices like for example I'm pregnant at the moment and automatically our director <laughs> and automatically our, di- our director was like oh so you're gonna take the baby to Edinburgh with us and I'm like uh. and, and I don't I don't you know obviously it doesn't have to be an all-female space for that to happen for that sort of understanding but her understanding right. like okay you're gonna want to juggle yeah. things and you're and want- we'll make that happen and and I, yeah I think you that know. there's definitely like a okay how do we like nothing's like a oh okay oh how's this Ooh, gonna this work this is a problem Ooh, this is an issue yeah. everything is like especially when it's like you know we're all in this especially right now this crazy time this crazy space for mm-hmm, entertainment mm-hmm. industry and there's been such a in our in our group like we really took the pandemic and the lockdown as like a okay well what can we do you know we need this mentally right. and also for our careers. So how do we create something that is mentally stimulating for us and also still keeping Netflix fresh and like our mm-hmm. minds fresh? And I think that there's definitely more like a, I don't know, a, like an emotional grounded space when it comes to, it's not so cutthroat. Like it, there's a very like, obviously we're a professional show, but we're just in a space where it's like, we're ready to hear things because we, and do things that work because we want the show to work. And the people in it currently 
are the best people for the job. So we want to make yeah. things work. We're not just like, oh, well, you're cut tomorrow because, you know, you're pregnant. Do you know what I mean? It's because like very... I know, yeah. It, it's happened. Um, but well, yeah, no, it has. Yep. I mean, it's, it, it's quite common, isn't it, for uh, a lot of women uh, to experience the world um, that in many respects was built by men. And uh, whether intentionally or not, for men. Um, and as a result, um, the systems and processes that we encounter in um, working spaces, even creative working spaces, can be a struggle. Um, and I guess it, it sounds like one of the lovely things about Netflix is that a part of that struggle is lessened and removed because you're all kind of sharing a language from the beginning. Um, yeah. What did it... Of, of, of kind of needing to exist outside of those sometimes quite restrictive systems and processes yeah um definitely especially like especially like you know with what well like I said before like sort of there's so many sort of little things we have to do to sort of like in this industry like different characters we like to pl- like like, like, the, yeah. like the industry like us playing which is great we love that but there's something extra liberating liberating about Netflix because not only are we improvising so we're playing any character but we're also playing Mm -hmm. any gender so it's like an extra free free space and actually I think definitely for me it's made me a better actor because Mm -hmm. I step onto not flick stage and flex muscles that I would never be able to flex before and Mm. I come into an audition room more prepared because you're going to probably give me something that is more prepared than I do when I step on stage so I think that there is that extra liberating thing and like you know the the process of auditions and everything it's it's very you know it's still very stressful very scary and this is like quite even though Netflix is a stressful environment in terms of like mm-hmm. a good stress like a good you know we're mm. creating a show yeah it sort of it's- makes your brain work in a, a really positive stressful way which I think is encouraged by the fact it's all women so it's a safe place a good place I, I think it, it makes you you know make braver choices yeah you know whether mm. in this show or any sort of well, actually, like, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say in, in, in any other sort of acting situation, but also in life, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I think a really big turning moment for me was, I think when I first started doing it, I was almost separating like, oh, this is screen acting, acting, this is serious, acting, this is, uh, you know, not flicks. And it was like, no, uh, there's something about you can hook on to, you can bring all of you to the yeah. to the table at yeah. any yeah. time and that's something actually I carry with myself now in any sort of performance thing actually it can bring all of me to the table and even though actually initially looking at this role it could look quite limiting I mm-hmm. can bring actually a lot of parts mm-hmm. of me that I maybe wouldn't have thought mm-hmm. I could bring to yeah. the table before you definitely look at roles that are more like you you know in a much fuller way there's more like I'll, you'll look at something that might be quite seen as yeah quite small but you'll see it in like quite a fleshed out way because that's sort of what we do we'll take something really small and make it into a more fleshed out thing so you'll see a role mm-hmm. that's like on paper is quite like simple and we're like oh but I could do it in all these different ways because that's what I do on stage so yeah you can really like you feel a bit more confident you can bring things to life in a more special kind of way I also think that for improv to sustain itself and exist, it requires a certain amount of listening. And, mm. and you know, sometimes when you see maybe bad improv, there's, there's less <laughs> yes. listening, listening going on. <laughs> but also that filters through to all acting. There's always got to be listening. And I think 
you know, that's like, I think it's improved my screen acting because I think I'm just listening so much more than I was before. Um, I also think like a big thing with our group, it's like you're, especially in the rehearsal space, you're trying to create a nurturing, safe environment Mm -hmm. for people. Mm -hmm. And then that safety and that nurturing feeling allows people to experiment and create characters beyond what they normally would. And and, yeah, people always better... In, on stage in life when they feel like they're in a good environment, like they feel like there's room to make mistakes and that there is time and space for them to grow. Like we didn't all start off being this way. It was nurtured in the terms of like there is, you know, a lot of the times I definitely felt when I first joined on Netflix, like I was growing as a performer mm-hmm. on stage in real mm-hmm. time because yeah. part of your training and part of your you know, getting better is doing a show. So the audience are kind of watching it happen in real time. And I think that you've got to have the kind of environment that is able to to nurture that, that that is okay, mm-hmm. that you can go on stage and not be at your best. I mean, to an audience, it won't make a difference because it's sure. not great. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. that that kind of, it's so, I mean, what we do when you really break it down is terrifying. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> why? Um, so I think that that, like, y- that environment has to be so, like, at a temperature where everyone is able to be like, it is okay, we will catch you. Like, I mean, I mean, before we go on stage, we literally look at each one of us in the eye and say, got, got your, your back, back. <laughs> you know, got your back. Oh. Yeah, you got it. Oh, I love that. Mm. We will I catch love you. <laughs> we will literally do this. And, you know, yeah, yeah. someone loses their voice. We've got you. Don't worry. Like, you know, if someone is whatever's happening, like we just have each other and whatever happens, we will circle around I mean, we've even gone. I was like, so what would you do if my water broke while we were on stage? And then they're like, I would. If it was like, if it was beat one, we'd cancel the show. But if it was the last five minutes, I'd make it work. Yeah, Yeah, we'd make it work. (laughs) Had a bit of extra drama for the climax. I'd make it it a part of something. We'd we'd find a way. And we did yesterday at the the Warren Festival in Brighton. And uh, Ashling managed to get her pregnancy in where she suddenly burst forward with her jacket to reveal a pregnant bump but but then oh also the i don't know if you've seen the film but with the there's a russian character and there's a liverpudlian <laughs> character in it and they also i don't know yes yeah. and so uh, vicky um stuffed a jacket under claire's <laughs> t-shirt and suddenly she was pregnant too so we were just like ah oh, we'll make it all work it's like there's no there's no mistakes we had you know we were in the one festival where it just so happened that the thunder and lightning decided to erupt on a very, very outside stage. And what did we do? We made a song called The Thunder and the Lightning. And and also based our dance routine around the keyboard so we could protect it. Shielding with jackets, (laughs) dancing. There's a clip of it someone took from the audience online. It is so funny because, you know, me and EJK are on stage like being like the rain like yes like and everyone else just has their jackets open just (laughs) protecting Jordan our amazing MD just trying to play trying to not get electrocuted but yeah we'll we'll like Vicky Vicky drying the keyboard in In time time with the song (laughs) there's just yeah we'll just make there is just we'll make it all work or there is no there's no wrong things there's just fun times <laughs> no wrong things just fun times no that should be time. your uh, put yeah. that on your uh, marketing material <laughs> <for next time>. yes. <laughs> have to be careful um, who uses a statement like that yeah, but yeah. <laughs> in the wrong hands <laughs> 
Well, I mean, what you're talking about is a very natural progression that I think a lot of theatre companies do, where they kind of create, as we say, a sort of shared language, a kind of safe space between each other and a kind of ultimate like level of trust that does say kind of whether tacitly or, or sort of implied um yeah I've got your back you know that there, there is no bad version of this mm-hmm. and if there is that's okay um <laughs> and you know I think it would be easy for people um listening to try and draw a correlation between that level of trust having been built and the fact that you're an all uh, female troop um it would also, I think, likely work just as well um, with a mixed gender group. Um, I, I don't. I mean, it certainly does because there are plenty of those out there. Yeah. Um, I guess the question is whether or not uh, it happens faster or or slower in either in in either sort of setting. I don't know what the bloody question is that I'm trying to ask. Is <laughs> no, Hold no, on. I get it. It's <laughs> like I think that there's a like I think that it's possible and it is happening there are shows where that language is definitely you definitely see it I think that there Mm -hmm. is just what I think could happen is just more of an open conversation where people are able to be wrong um Mm. or people are Mm -hmm. able to just think about things from not a defensive place just like Mm -hmm. just a Mm -hmm. like listening just that kind of language you know there might have been things on stage that maybe someone did to you on stage that they might not see as like a problem but mm-hmm. like just hearing it, listening, like, hey, it might not be like the worst thing on the planet, but hey, you you did that thing and actually like that's not what I was saying to you or where I was going. Like just I don't know, just hearing each other, because I think that it does need to happen faster. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. also it's we've seen it and it's and possible. I, so yeah. it should it I just think it needs more of an open conversation and people to be just a bit vulnerable, be a bit wrong and, and, and take in what people are saying, I think. Because I, uh, yeah, and, and like, you know, because I have seen, you know, I've seen shows where, you know, the, the, the actress has clearly labelled herself as like something boy and then mm. gets the constantly time. referred to as she and her. <laughs> you're yeah. like, oh, you right. were listening. You're just, you were just, you know, yeah. being dictated to by what you saw in front of you and what you thought mm. that means. Yeah, um, yeah I've, 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 I was just saying to Ashling actually just before this, like I've seen shows where there's a mixed gender cast of an improv yeah. show, but there is, you know... And the sort of premise, I won't go into it, but like the whole premise is that the lead could be a woman. It's, it should be. Mm-hmm. But the women are all off stage halfway through the show. And it is literally, I don't know, two guys at one point and one guy who is literally turning from side mm-hmm. to side, just being two different characters. And you think, why? Because you've got, you've got people off stage who could be on here. And you just think, I don't think it's on purpose. It's just, I think it would be nice if especially those women and like those people were able to have an honest conversation about why did that happen? How can that be better? And actually our show could be better if there was that we made decisions that didn't lead us to that point because you know, that was the right decision for the show, but it didn't need to be that way. And I think it Mm -hmm. could, it just needed a, I don't know. It just needed not that. (laughs) I also think sometimes, you know, in the world of comedy as well, because improv is this thing that's kind of, there's elements of of comedy and stand up to it and things like that mm-hmm. and and obviously that can be maybe more so than the acting industry very male dominated very very, um, very male dominated yeah. yeah and and then also then when you look at typical like 
comic scripts and things like that. Often yeah. the woman is being the foil. She's being this the straight man. Or the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. Or well. the butt of the yeah. joke. And, and or the j- nag. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a nag. And, and, oh my God, that is such a good word for I, it, the yeah. nag. <laughs> and, and it's so deeply ingrained, those archetypes, that it can be really take a lot of effort to uh, kind of shed that. Um, without people even realising. I also think, you know, because improv in certain ways doesn't have certain limitations of certain scripted work, that there is still boundaries that need to be negotiated mm. and what mm-hmm. people feel comfortable with. Yeah. And you, I think sometimes it, it you know, it, it does help it being all female because maybe there's, a better understanding immediately of maybe yeah. what those boundaries might yeah. be, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and and maybe if it's a mixed group, there needs to be more discussion about where those boundaries are, where you can push it, where I feel comfortable, where yeah. I I don't. Um, but I do think even with an, an all female one, I think that you still need to constantly yeah. ha- check in with mm. each other of and course, see where those boundaries are um, yes. from day from day to day. But I think maybe that is also a helpful thing that helps fast track things a little bit. Yeah. I suspect it probably is. Mm. I mean... We're just more open to the conversation, always checking in, like it's not an issue for us. So I think that does move things along quicker for sure. And it doesn't yeah. feel like an accusation. No, it's not. And like I, it's. I think it's just the defensive nature of it. You're like, it's not, it's all meant to be in the aid of progress. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. certain people see that as like an attack on them or attack on them as people or them as performers. Mm-hmm. And it's not that at all. It's like, I think we all ultimately want the same thing. Um, but because I think we naturally don't see it as an accusation or a, a time to defend right. ourselves... I think it just moves yeah. a little bit quicker, for sure. It comes from a place of neutrality and is met in a place of neutrality, um, which sounds super healthy and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really that was a very good way of putting it. Like. <laughs> Definitely more succinct. Yes, yes, more succinct. <laughs> well, look, um, I've had an amazing chat. Um, I want to ask. Uh, I mean, we are basically out of time, but I'm going to ask you guys. Um, what are you up to now? Um, what do you want to plug? What do you want to tell us that you're doing? Where can we find you, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Basically, if if you we're going to be in quite a number of different places over the mm-hmm. next wee while. All all of them in England. Uh, the moments so we'll be in Tunbridge Wells. We'll be in Greenwich in London. We'll be in Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But they're all on our website, notflixthemusical.com, yep. or we're on all the usual socials like Instagram yeah, and so you look up um, at Netflix Musical on Twitter and Instagram you can find us and we're also on Facebook as yeah. well and we're we always keep you updated on social media and uh, hopefully we'll be coming to a space near you yeah <laughs> and hopefully once you know slowly things are transitioning to more in-person things and you know we love to run yes. workshops and things yes. like that as well so yeah all that kind of gets posted up there yeah brilliant give us a follow we're we're fun to follow (laughs) (laughs) we make good content our content (laughs) is good (laughs) well thank you both so much um i feel very pleased to have uh, met you and got to know you better and um good luck with your string of shows coming up thank you thank you you so much for having us this has been so brilliant thank you thank you (laughs) 
So that's it for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then feel free to head over to spotlight.com where there's a whole host of articles, videos and other podcast episodes about all things to do with casting and the performing arts industry. They are available and can be found in the news and advice section of our website. You can also read the full transcript of the episode on the website as well. Thanks very much and we'll see you next time.